Hey, welcome back to another episode of Aiken Bros Podcast. I'm James. I'm Andrew. Uh, so, one thing we wanted to talk about today was just that in the news, there's been a zoo down in Florida. I think the story was a janitor hopped the fence to get close for a picture. The tiger ended up mauling him, attacking him part of his arm. And I think the sheriff ended up having to shoot the tiger. Yeah. And so... Like that is a scenario that we constantly thought about and we planned for why we built our fencing kind of the way we did. Well, yeah, and this is just, I mean, it seems like throughout the, every year, there are multiple different instances of people going behind where they're not supposed to go or becoming part of a situation that ultimately ends bad for the animal, which is kind of the... In my mind, the the worst thing of all these stories that you hear uh, when things like this happen is because the animal's not doing anything wrong. The animal's doing what it's supposed yeah. to do. Tigers, and it's yeah. it's always the the animal that probably nine out of ten times it ends with the animal having to be put down, and that's just the unfortunate thing is because the animal didn't do anything necessarily wrong. It was doing what it's designed to do. Uh, be interested in a new kind of source of, you know, thing that's not a common thing in its uh, natural day-to-day type of activities. So, of course, it's going to come up. And if it is a animal that has, you know, that is a big cat, it's probably not going to end too well if it is a person on the other end of that. So, this sort of scenario, I just, I don't understand. Um, doesn't seem like facilities like ours, you know, we constantly try to plan and design to make sure that nothing like this ever happens. And it just seems like every every year, the public, or in this uh, instance, someone that actually worked for the zoo or was at least a, a contractor for the zoo, you know, found a found a new way to get to an animal that you know it's designed not supposed to. That's why we talk like theoretically on paper, our hyenas are our most dangerous animal that we have. But because of the safety measures and the safety protocols that we have in place and the double fencing that we have, they are technically our safest animal because you know those are ones that we don't go direct contact with. Always a fence between us and them. Uh, with From the public standpoint, you know, a six foot high fence that is at least six to seven feet off of their main fence line. So it eliminates the opportunity of someone dangling their kid over it because it's, you know, six foot high as opposed to four foot high to where it makes it a little more uncomfortable for most people to do that sort of thing. And then on top of that, having the space between it. So like all those sort of factors, you know, those are things that all facilities take into consideration. And unfortunately, in this case, it looks like it was a person that potentially had, definitely had more access than what the general public does because he actually worked there. But it's just, it's something that should not have, should not have happened. And unfortunately, like in most of these cases, the animal was the one that had to pay the ultimate sacrifice. So that's why I always tell like, so, so it's been known in previous podcasts that wolf dogs are my favorite animal here for the times of not. The reason we have 13 is because of me, if you ask James here. 
and I've I've told Julia this multiple times. I think I've told you this multiple times. If for whatever reason, if the situation ever came to where I was in with them and they just all of a sudden decided to turn on me, and you know, worst case, <laughs> I didn't make it out of there. I want it to be 100% known, and I guess this podcast would be proof of that, that the wolf dog should not get put down at all because that's just what, I mean, that's the risk that we take for being in this line of work, and it should not be the consequences should not rest on the animals themselves for doing, you know, natural type of behaviors, whether that's with the wolf dogs having that pack sort of mentality and, I feel like unless we down the road we get uh, some more high content wolf dogs like how Alpha Nova are, I don't ever see a scenario where that would be an issue. But that's just something that I have already thought about. That you know, a strange fluke type of situation, some sort of outside factor would get them riled up, and it was just wrong place at the wrong time. From my personal type of belief, I do not feel like. The animals should have to take, you know, quote unquote, bullet for situations like this. Because again, I go back to the animals, they're just, they're not, you know, they don't have one one feeling or another. They're literally just doing what mm-hmm. God designed them to do um, when it comes to, you know, predatory animals and a prey type of mentality instinct kicks in. You can't fault them for that. You have to fault the person that disobeyed the rules or went in there knowing that an outcome like this was potentially possible. Yeah, so after after the meeting, we'll send out a message to all our employees that if they see you getting eaten or attacked by wolf dogs, just keep on getting their job Continue to go back today. <laughs> just turn your back and walk away. Yeah, no, but in all seriousness, I mean, because those sort of scenarios, there have been other stories in the past where uh, you know, someone tries to go in and tries to say, and then they just another type of victim type of thing. And that gives the, you know, the quote unquote justification to end that animal's life even that much more, yeah. uh, the but I feel like, like I said, I, I can't see with the ones that we have here at the park currently, I, there's zero doubt in my mind that a scenario like that would ever happen to where I wouldn't be in a position to maybe I would get injured or something like that but I wouldn't be able to get in a position where it would actually be a fatal type of thing just because again like I've said with the wolf dogs when we're in with them it's always something that we're constantly thinking about making sure that you know not turn your back to them and all this stuff so like from a safety standpoint even though those are an animal that we do go full contact with there are things that we are always constantly thinking of to make sure that if, you know, their attitude is a little different that day than what it normally is, we know how to, I guess, remove ourselves as quickly as possible um, without, you know, further instigating kind of that behavior that they're displaying potentially. So uh, every time I read a story like this, um, just what a couple of few years ago, the well, I forget what zoo it was with the gorilla, but basically a family went past barriers and then ultimately their kid, I think, fell in. Um, and pretty sure in that scenario, they had to 
you know, put, put the gorilla down as well to safely get the, the child out of the enclosure. But it's just, there are a reason why there are guest fencing and then on top of the actual enclosure design, whether that's another fence line or a moat or anything like that, it's designed to where the guests are X amount of feet back from the actual enclosure fence line. And there's a reason for that. It's not just to piss off the guests that you can't get the best view of the animal. It's, yeah, it's to make sure that the guests have the, the most amount of safety when it comes to the animal. Like there was another video that I saw a few months ago of a giraffe enclosure. And like that fence line is totally different than a, than a big cat fence line where this fence line was literally just cables you know, maybe a foot apart from one another, uh, just because uh, giraffe have a little more difficulty getting through a fence line. So you can have a little bit more of a wide gap between between the actual um, fence itself. And someone thought it'd be awesome to take a video without a fence line in it. And so he went inside the fence and then I'm pretty sure he ended up getting kicked by a giraffe. Um, and like all this, someone else was video, videotaping this guy doing this. And I just, every time I see that, I cringe. That is the negative side of owning a wildlife park that's open to the public is unfortunately you do have, let's not beat around the bush, you do have stupid people out there that do stupid things for whatever reason. And they think that it's, that the consequences aren't going to land on them. Yeah, so the reality of it is, like you said, the animals are usually the ones that suffer and a lot of times die. The reality is that the zoos usually have some kind of behind the scenes type of adventure where the person could have gotten it close. So like we've had our behind the scenes, our behind the scenes kind of walk through, part of the walk through takes you out to the drive through and the side by side. And so like this year, we are looking at, we are changing that to be a, you know, behind the scenes and beyond to actually include all of the encounters that we offer. So any animal that we offer encounters with, you can experience that with the, with the behind the scenes and beyond. Yeah, no, and that's, and that's probably one of the main reasons why a lot of facilities do that is they, they realize that the public wants to have as close of an interaction with the animals that they have on display as possible and in order to do that in the safest sort of kind of setting you need to have a, a guided type of tour or with a person that knows the ins and outs of that animal and kind of its behaviors and all this stuff so to avoid kind of those unsafe type of settings so i know a couple of years ago when we went to the indianapolis zoo and we went into their uh, building with their tiger there was a painted line on the floor that basically you don't cross that line and that line is probably still about three four feet off of the the actual cage the enclosure fence line yeah. um and like you just you can't trust the public to do that by the honor system you have to have someone there with them telling them do not cross that line and, and supervising that so that is the benefit of being able to offer kind of the behind the scenes that we do is especially now starting kind of this year, including all of those different encounters that we do. Um, 
you kind of have that quote unquote expert next to you, or at least the person that is well equipped to kind of handle that animal and kind of tell you what, what you can and can't do. That way you still get the, the best overall experience and the most interaction hands-on um, experience with that animal. But at the same time, there's no situations to where it gets too out of control or the animal gets in a position where it feels threatened or uncomfortable and uh, you know, bites you or claws you or whatever, whatever might happen with that animal. So that is a, kind of a positive thing when you have facilities that do do hands-on things, but they're able to kind of do it in a way that's the most safe for everyone involved. Sure. One of the hands-on is our cute and cuddly people like that. Go into our into our warm room and get to see our two sugar gliders and then our hedgehog. Um, and just yesterday, a lady brought two more sugar gliders. She had Shocking. she had them in her house, five total. They had a bedroom that was their area, and they. The husband wanted to take it back for it to be his office, so she needed to rehome a couple of them, and so we agreed to take them. Uh, James agreed to take them. I just found out about him this morning when I walked into the office. James and the rest of the team agreed to take them. Usually that's how it happens. James and the rest of the team decide, and then they just, they all try to figure out how's the best way to tell Andy that we have. The saying goes, it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. Definitely applies with Andy. Yeah. So yeah, so now we have four. Four sugar gliders. And what I was told is they're all somewhat different looking, unique looking. So that's one of the selling points that we get. Yeah, so they would be different. And uh, two new ones are a little on the chunky side. I think ours, our current two weigh 99 grams and 103 grams. The two new ones weigh about 132 grams and 167 grams. Yeah, what what is that normal? Are ours more towards the normal or are these more towards the normal in terms of the weight? Uh, I guess we're gonna have to go on this diet. There's a range of weights. I think it's anywhere from 80 up to 120. Is that the same? 163 is probably going to have to yeah. lose a little, so. a little bit. Yeah, so I think there'd be some some kind of slowly weaning off, but when we last year, later, we took in, we had the food that they were feeding them, and we had our food, and they started offering our food, and we liked our food more. So I'm anticipating that will eventually happen. Girls as well, because the sugar gliders are one of those unique animals where this is the only actual encounter that you actually get to see them. So, like they're since they are nocturnal, we don't necessarily we don't have them on display for the general public to maybe see them kind of every once in a while out and about. Uh, literally, the only way to see them is if you sign up with a cute cuddly encounter. So, a little exclusive. Exclusiveness to that encounter for sure when it comes to sugar gliders. They have a bunch of different toys hanging up in their in their enclosure, and the lady brought a monster tub full of more toys and blankets and little 
Because usually, I mean, I'm, I'm not the one that does the encounters with these, but usually since they are not That's right, so you're not going to go in that room if I can avoid it. Yeah. When they do the encounter, usually it's, they're, they're kind of resting their pouches, right? So it's kind of more so peeking in, doing maybe a little, a little pet on them, nothing real crazy. But I know when I've been in the gift shop and kind of in the evening hours, nighttime, you will hear them playing around with all of their little toys because at first it kind of always startled me like what what the heck is that come from that room but then when you hear about it hear it more it kind of you put two and two together to where oh it's sure gliders are out and about kind of just playing around so well peekaboo our white one and then nissa one of the new ones the bigger one too both of them come right up and walk along your arm and yeah so I I love them for a cool experience with people as they do. Whatever you tell yourself. Cute and cuddly is one of our encounters. It's one of the encounters that will be included in the uh, behind the scenes and beyond package. But then the other thing about it is it's one of our encounters that we can do all year long. Or cute and cuddly and a reptile. Both of you done in the gift shop, they can be done all year long. And so a lot of people think that we completely close down in the wintertime. We actually are open on Saturdays in the winter. Um, we keep our website and Facebook and our phone message updated if there is bad weather and like the drive through has to be shut down or something like right. that for the park. Yeah. Idea is it's open every Saturday and our museum is open. Mondays and Wednesdays, but like those encounters are things people can still do during the wintertime. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's no getting around it. Even though we try to do as much as we possibly can, there is a distinct quote unquote busy season and slow season. So, and that's just strictly because of how the weather turns here in Illinois. So, kind of from end of October, kind of more so maybe November. All the way through at least February, um, again, it kind of all hinges upon if we have a mild winter or a late winter or an early spring or anything like that, to where we start to start to offer more things than we normally offer um, in those busy seasons. In the busy season, but definitely there are a few hardships that we got to do. I mean, just this past Saturday, we ended up closing the whole park because that Friday night we did get probably about an inch or so of snow. Um, it was going to be to the point where it was going to be too slick out in the drive through to have that open. And it was enough that it covered the pathways and all that stuff. So it just kind of, we decided for the temperature that it was going to get up to for that day, it wasn't worth necessarily being open. So I mean, there, there has been in years past where we've been completely closed every single Saturday for the month of January and then even like, for sure, last year we were open every, every single Saturday. So again, we are kind of at the mercy of what Mother Nature wants to do during this time. But but more times than not, there is a period when the ground kind of freezes, but yet the air temperature might not be too bad out high 30s, 40s, but the ground is still frozen and it gets just uh, more or less kind of a soupy mess out the drive through to where it makes our pathways almost undrivable, um, kind of from a chance of getting stuck and all that stuff. So 
that kind of usually happens maybe towards the end of January and February. Uh, again, kind of depends on if we kind of have a mile in February or we yeah. still get snow during February. It kind of pushes that back a little bit, but there is a period of time right towards the end of kind of that slow season winter months that the drive through, even though you know the rest of the park might be open, the drive through kind of still has to be closed just strictly because of our pathways got to be undrivable. Because um, we kind of got to think, you know, someone that comes here with a tiny little compact car, is it going to be able to make everything? You know, yeah, if you come out here with a truck that's four wheel drive and you're wanting to do the drive through and it's closed, you might think, well, what, why? But we kind of have to think, take everyone in consideration. And, Grandma uh, coming out in a tiny little car, wanting to do the drive-through. We don't want a scenario where she would get stuck, and you know, God forbid they don't call press first, and they try to get out and push themselves, and they're in a situation where they're out with another Because has happened more than once, so that that kind of ties back into the, the first segment of this in terms of people doing things that they're not supposed to. But no, so there's definitely some hardships and some kind of uh, attractions that at the moment we still haven't been able to figure out a good way to kind of keep them going all throughout the year, just really because of the weather and the elements and just having to deal with those. So unless we literally dome the whole, whole park over, uh, it's probably one of those things that we will always be at the mercy of what kind of the weather is doing during this time of month. But just like with the museum, some of those encounters, I mean, the first year we didn't have, we did close. I mean, there was an end date and an open date for us because we didn't have anything that pertained to being able to do different sort of things inside. Um, so after that first year, we kind of decided that we need to figure that out. And it's just one of those things that hopefully as the years go on, we will continue to kind of be able to offer potentially more and more of those type of attractions or encounters that don't rely on the weather. Because uh, we do also have our winter barn tours that um, would be available as well, especially in those days that the drive through can't be open, you'd still be able to do an encounter to where you see some of those more larger animals that are normally on the drive through a um, little up close. So. That's another thing that we potentially be able to be offered and done with on those days that other things aren't open. Yeah. So, so if you're looking for something to do in the winter time, we are open again most most Saturdays. The museum's open also on Mondays and Wednesdays. So always, we do recommend checking out the Facebook page or the website or calling ahead one of those three just to make sure we are going to be open just in case the weather was bad. But with that, we appreciate you guys for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Later. Cool story, bro.